Good morning. Welcome to worship at Reveille United Methodist Church. We are so excited to have both those of you who are here in our sanctuary joining us and those of you who are joining us online in worship with us today. My name is Kelly Lane and I am one of the associate ministers. Our lead pastor, the Reverend Dr. Peter Moon, will be preaching today and he is going to preach about hope how hope is both a present reality and a future reality. So it's going to be a great sermon. But before we begin, I want to remind you to look in your bulletin or on our website for all of the many activities we have during Advent to help prepare our hearts and minds for the birth of Jesus. But in particular, I want to invite you to join us this Friday at the VMFA for the Reveille Ringers. Bring a friend to that. It's at 6 and 6.30. And then also next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, on December 7th, Kristen Green will be speaking. And we need you to sign up for that because we're going to have a fellowship dinner with our partner churches. And we want to make sure we have plenty of food. So let us now prepare our hearts and minds for worship. The Lord be with you.
Today, we light the candle of hope as a reminder and as a prayer that we might find hope right now. May the light of this candle burn inside us, inspiring hope and action for God's promised day. Let, Let us, us worship, worship the Lord. Let us worship the Lord by standing and singing together hymn number 196, Come, Thou Long-Expected Jesus. With hope and confidence in God's love and mercy, let us confess our sins together. Most holy and righteous God, we confess to you that we cannot wait. Like children, we want things, and we want them right now. As we gather for worship this day, pour your grace upon us. Show us that even though we don't see the fullness of your plan in the ways we would like, you are yet at work in this world and in our lives. Forgive us and draw us closer to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ came that we might receive God's grace and forgiveness. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. 
glory to God. Amen. As those who have been forgiven and reconciled to God and neighbor, let us exchange signs of Christ's peace with those around us. family to come forward as we gather this day around the waters of baptism. You may turn to page 33 in your hymnal if you would like to follow along. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Elwood Ransom Holt for baptism. Now, Steve and Stephanie, as you bring Elwood forward to the waters of baptism, we ask some questions of faith of you. And as you answer these questions, you indicate not only your faith in Christ, but your desire as the years unfold in front of you to pour that faith down upon and into your son. And so now on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, respond by saying, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Again, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord, in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? I do. And finally, will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, he might be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and lead a Christian life? I will. And do you, as Christ's body, the church, affirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? We do. Will you nurture one another in Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? With God's God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround this child with a community of love and forgiveness that he may grow in his service to others. We will pray for him that he may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. Let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. 
Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you had promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water in this child who now receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he might share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. And what name is given this child? Elwood Ransom, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through the water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now it is our joy to welcome our new brother in Christ. Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you as a member of the family of Christ. Let us pray. Lord God, we ask that you would pour your spirit upon this child, Elwood. It is our prayer that this day he will know and be convicted of the love that you have for him, the love that will endure for all the days to come. Surround him in his laughter. Surround him in his challenges. Watch over him all the days of his life so that a disciple is raised up who makes a difference in this world. It is our prayer that the world will be different because of what we do with him this day through Christ our Lord. As all God's people say, amen. Come on, Elwood. Let's take a walk. I want to introduce you to all these people out here. Now, you might not, you're kind of yawning during it, but um, while you were yawning, all these people here made a promise. They said that they were going to love you and pray for you and look out for you and help you to know how much Jesus loves you. And can you see them all waving at you right now? They're all waving as a sign of the love that they each have for you. And you are reminded this day that that water on your head, it's going to evaporate, it's going to go away, but the love and the mark of Jesus will never leave you. You got that one, didn't you? Well, as we make our way back, Elwood, we're going to sing a song. But as you're listening to this song, know that we are all singing a promise because we know that our God is full of promises. This time, we'd like to invite all the children to come forward. We're going to gather up here, and uh, Miss Kathy's going to lead us in our children's time. Come on up and have a seat.
morning. Where's Miss Lily? Miss Lily's going to help me out this morning with our children's message. How is everyone? Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Yes? Yes, did you eat too much? Yeah, no, no, okay. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you to your parents for bringing you to church today. I have a very easy question to ask you this morning. Who likes their birthday? Everybody likes their birthday? Yeah, yeah, Sammy, you like your birthday? What do you like best about your birthday? What kinds of things go on when it's your birthday? May Louise? Cake, yes. Armas? Presents, yes. What else? Edward, can you think, what do you like about your birthday? Bounce houses, yes. Yes, bounce houses, are, that's all those extra things are so exciting. And this time of year, we are getting ready to do kind of the same kind of thing. We're planning, like you may look at your calendar and count down the days to your birthday. We're counting down the days until whose birthday? Who's Jesus' birthday. That's right, Jesus' birthday. Today, and you saw the first Advent candle, and I brought a smaller version here of an Advent wreath. May Louise, you want to hold that? Last Sunday night, we had some um, of our families who came, and we made Advent wreaths, and we had cookie decorating and ornament decorating to get everyone ready for Advent. And we have Advent wreaths that we light candles. Now, just like your birthday cake, why do you think we like candles on a cake? You have to sing before you blow it out. Always, yes, the rule. that You have to sing before you blow it out. Why do we put candles on a birthday cake? May Louise? It reminds you how old you are, yeah. And sometimes that's a great thing. Sometimes it's not so great, but that's okay. We won't go there. Um, But a birthday cake is we light candles. And the candles, usually when we light those, it signifies something special. It signifies something special is going on. We're remembering something special. We're honoring someone. And that's what we're doing as we're getting ready for Christmas, we are preparing our hearts and minds for the birth of Jesus. Now, Advent, does anyone know what Advent means? May Louise? Is, is the days leading up to Christmas? It's the four weeks. Armas. Do you know what the word means? What do you have to do before your birthday and before Christmas gets here? What do you have to do? It starts with a W. You want to wait. Is waiting easy? No, waiting is hard. Waiting is not easy at all. But when we light candles, just like preparing for all the good things for your birthday, we are lighting these candles and saying scriptures, preparing our hearts and minds, to get ready to celebrate Jesus' birth. But we're not waiting, just sitting idly by doing nothing. We are waiting with great expectation, looking around to see what God's doing in the world, what he's doing in us and through us, and getting ready to celebrate him sending Jesus into the world to know us and love us and save us and teach us. So it's a wonderful, wonderful time of year, but we do have to wait. Now, Lily, would you like to show what you have in your hand? Lily has something that each of you are going to get one. It is a free gift. It's an Advent gift. And I'd like to thank Miss Margaret Hamilton for this idea. Each of you will get one of these. You will get something different next Sunday, something similar but not quite the same. Each Sunday of Advent, you will get a special gift. And we can't tell you what it is. You're going to have to wait to see what all four pieces are, okay? Because we're we're waiting. It's Advent. It's hard to wait. But you are going to see what a beautiful thing when you see all four pieces together. So don't miss Advent Sundays. Come and get your, your free piece of this mystery puzzle, okay? Let's all say a prayer together. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world. Help us keep your bright light shining in our hearts. 
all year long. Amen. Great. Come and get your gift. Thank you. Please join me in the prayer for illumination in the bulletin. Blessed Lord, who caused all scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's first lesson is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It's found on page 550 of your Pew Bible. Even as foreign invaders threaten Jerusalem, the prophet calls on his people to live out their mission to be a light to all nations. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for the morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, reading in the 24th chapter, reading verses 35 to 40, or 36 to 44. Will you listen now for the word of God? But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as your word is offered this day, it is our prayer that you would speak a word of hope to each of us, individually and corporately, and enable us this day to go out to be stewards of this hope which you have given into a world in such desperate need of it, because we ask this through Christ our Lord. 
Amen. When you all think of hope, what do you picture? What do you picture? I, a few things come to my mind right away. Just five, ten minutes ago, right here at the baptismal waters, we baptized Elwood in the light of an Advent candle. Right there, right there, walking down the aisles with those blue eyes, looking at y'all. There is a picture of hope. Just a couple hours ago, I had the privilege of baptizing my two grandchildren at the 830 service. Let me tell you, that's hope. That's a very special moment. But also, I think when I think about hope, I think of a visit that Stephen and I had this week with a longtime Reveille member, Richard Coiner. Some of you may know Richard. He's been a long-term time part of this church. Richard is 93 years old. He's lost both his legs. He currently lives at the Veterans Center, has been there for many years, gets around without legs all around there in his wheelchair. But I will tell you, Richard's got this constant smile on his face. He has this positive outlook, and he speaks with loud, contagious, Brooklyn, New York accent enthusiasm that radiates through the halls. And Richard, if you know him, he has a million stories. Every one of them is fascinating, but his story is, is so engaging. When Richard was 15 years old, World War II was just ending, and he wanted to go, so he lied about his age. He forged his mother's signature, and he joined the army. Headed off into Germany. The war ended, but he served as a military policeman during the Nuremberg trials. He was in charge of guarding the German officers there. Remember, he's 16 years old, and he's on guard duty amongst all these German officers. He told us a story about how he was sitting there. He fell asleep on guard duty with a loaded rifle in his lap. Right when a German officer went by, grabbed the rifle out of his lap. Richard was startled and awoke, and the German officer said, a, a soldier never falls asleep on duty, and threw the rifle back at him. <laughs> well, the, the army finally caught up with Richard and realized his age, and they sent him home. But he wasn't going to give up. A couple years later, he joined up again, legally this time, and he went off to serve in Korea. He served in the middle of the war, nine months in combat on the border between North Korea and China in 45 degree below zero temperatures. He lost his father as a young age. He served as a black man in two wars in mostly white armies. He lost his legs in later years, but he laughed and loved all his life, but also during a visit with us this week. We got to this point where we were talking about his life in later years, in the 60s and 70s, and he said, you know what? I bet I am the only black man to send Richard Nixon a birthday card. <laughs> so, you know, it just radiates hope. So I'm, I thought, I said, Richard, I'm preaching on hope this weekend. And I said, where do you get all this? And he said he really wasn't sure. But what was abundantly clear is it was simply an extension of his faith in Jesus, an extension of his faith in Jesus, just lived out of that place. How do you and I do that? In this day and age, how do we find a hope like that? Well, I hope we find it in this Advent series that we are entering into today, because each week, in the weeks to come, we're going to be speaking of the beauty of that future day. When we talk about things like love and joy and peace. But each week we will also recognize that we can't wait for all that. If you're like me, you have been celebrating all sorts of good news this weekend of Thanksgiving. But there's always in the background that bad news, the mass shootings, the other struggles in our nation and world. With a, with a reminder that we can't just wait for these idyllic things in the future. We need them right now. And this morning we come up against this, this beautiful word, hope. And it's illustrated, it's, it's highlighted by these two texts that we read today. One from Isaiah, one from Matthew. Did you see that picture in Isaiah as Bob read it? That idyllic picture for the Jews and for Isaiah and for Jerusalem. Speaking of that day 
When the temple of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord, will rise up as the highest place. Nations, it said, will flock to the temple. Nations will flock to the and learn the ways of the Lord. The law, it said, will go out from this place to all the world. And then righteous judgment will be offered and receives. And then, that beautiful line, swords will be beaten into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. Well, it's not done yet because we open up the pages to the Gospel of Matthew to hear another picture from the New Testament. And we were only able to read a very small section of a very long chapter, but it's that time. It describes that day when Jesus comes again. And literally, all heaven breaks loose. And it breaks loose in judgment as Jesus comes to the world again. And you may be saying, when you read this text, where in the world is the hope in all of this? But we must never forget that the judgment that comes from Jesus is good news, not bad. It's the way things are set right. Next week, we're going to say a whole lot more about this. But let me offer just a precursor that, and a reminder that you and I cannot have peace until right and righteous judgments are made. Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to definitively take on the lies, take on the false narratives, dismiss those things into the abyss so that truth prevails. And then we can have peace. Again, we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. But it is a reminder that you and I do have hope that this idyllic, refining, and truth-filled age, it's going to begin someday. And, it's, and things will work out. And as we have said many times before, that the good news we celebrate in this place is that in Jesus, the worst thing is never the last thing. You hear that? In Jesus, the worst thing is never the last thing. But is that the definition of hope? Do we just hold on until things ultimately work out? See, again, the problem is hope cannot wait. I need it right now. And that's the beauty of Advent. We gather around those candles and they begin to light the way to that truth. That hope has come, and it's come right now. Now, you may, uh, perhaps a good way to illustrate this in, in, in the power of Advent is to look at a story in history. Many of you know the story and the history of Christopher Columbus, and we recognize there are politics around that. There's some controversy around all of that. That is, that is certainly true. But the point is just to highlight what happened in the history as an illustration. You know the story. Christopher Columbus, he was headed for the riches of the Orient, which was beyond the horizon. Now, people knew about those riches because for generations they had been traveling east across the land to get to those riches. But, of course, Christopher Columbus was among those who believed that the earth was round, and so, therefore, you could go east or go west and sail beyond the horizon to get to the Orient, and that's exactly what he did and what he intended to do. The goal was to bring those riches back. But you, of course, know what happened. He ran into an unexpected continent on the way, which would later be called America. I think that's a picture of biblical hope and Advent. See, that's what we do with these texts. We see the riches of the Orient, if you will, way beyond the horizon as Jesus comes again. And there is this picture of spiritual power, and we strive to see it and, and grasp it and bring it back into our lives right now. And then suddenly, when we get to Advent, we run aground onto this thing that God has done. God sends a baby, Jesus, who would become a man who would teach us the way, who would die for our sins, be resurrected and ascended so that we don't have to wait. We have hope right now. Friends, and in all that, 
we can never forget the power of hope. I was reading a piece this week from Pastor Don Piper, and he was talking about this. He was talking about the relationship between having hope and the ability to love. You see, when you and I believe that good will get the last word, when we believe that the the power that guides the universe is driving history towards that day when swords are beat into plowshares, when we recognize that the one who drives the universe is good, compassionate, full of grace, and so good that this God pours himself into us as a baby through a teenage mother, born, the baby born in poverty. When you hold on to those truths that God is in control and in power, but God is good, you know what happens? You and I have hope. And hopeful people become loving people. Because you and I are freed from the downward spirals of hopelessness. You see what that is? On one hand, it's easy for hopeless people to be fearful people. I mean, if you can't trust what's happening, and if you can't trust in who controls the world, you know what happens? It instills a paralyzing spirit of anxiety within us. And we can be consumed by our fears. But then there's the opposite response of hopelessness. If indeed there is no one in control, or if I can't trust that control, maybe I need to just jump in here and control it myself. If God isn't going to do it, I will. And so without hope, you see, I become over-controlling. But you see what hope enables you to do? Hope frees you to love. So you aren't spending all your soul energy, all your anxiety on, con- or on anxiety or on control. You are freed up to love other people. You know, that's the thesis of the recent book by Bishop Michael Curry. He is the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, and he wrote a book recently entitled Love is the Way. You might remember him for his sermon he preached at the wedding of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. But it's a great book of a whole lot of stories, but let me just summarize the point. He says that the hope of the world is found when you and I become loving people, agape-loving people, loving like Jesus, agape love. That means loving that's not about me, not self-serving. It's all about the other, just like Jesus. That's what the world needs, he says. And that comes from people who have hope. And there's a whole bunch of stories in there from Martin Luther King and others. But it's a reminder that people who hope are uniquely able to love. And that can heal our world, heal our families, heal our lives. And how in the world do we do that? Well, in it is a reminder for us today about where hope is not. Hope is not some sort of blind optimism that somehow things are going to work out the way I hope for. And I have shared some of you uh, with some of you the story of Admiral Stockdale and his account in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, as he describes what he calls the Stockdale Paradox. If you remember Stockdale's story, he was shot down in the Vietnam War. He was a longtime POW, uh, one of the most longest-serving and the senior-ranking officer. And as a result, he was in charge of a lot of the things that went on there, and he saw he endured torture, he endured horrific things. But when Jim Collins interviewed him for the book, he asked Admiral Stockdale about the ones who didn't make it out of the prisoner of war camp, the ones who um, didn't get home. Stockdale replied with these words. He said, oh, that's easy, the optimists. He said, they are the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas, and Christmas would come and go. Then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter, and Easter would come, and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving, and it would be Christmas again. And they died, I quote, they died of a broken heart. And in the interview, Collins went on to say, quoting Stockdale, he said this, this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith 
that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. Well, you know, I can't speak to Admiral Stockdale's faith, but I do think what he describes is a biblical picture of hope. See, our hope, it is more than capable of staring down the worst of circumstances that come our way because it is not dependent on those circumstances getting resolved as we would like, although that would be certainly nice. Our hope holds on to this unwavering conviction that we are more accurately God, will prevail, and somehow the worst thing will never be the last thing. And we can do that, friends, because our hope is not just a thing. It's not a philosophy. It's not just a nice Hallmark card. Our hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And we hold on to hope because we're holding on to him. There's a better biblical word, abide. He is the vine. We are the branches. We abide in him. We cling in him, onto him. We remain in him. And as we do, independent of circumstances, somehow, some way, we are able to bear fruit. And the beautiful thing is because hope has a name who is Jesus, it's right here, right now, and we need not wait. And so, friends, on this first Sunday of Advent, let us hold fast to that future day when all will be well. Let us continue to be like Christopher Columbus and seek and bring those beautiful riches back from beyond the horizon. But let's not forget that we can never wait for hope. It's here right now and beautifully available to us no matter what. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Oh God, you are good and you are powerful and you are in control of our lives and of our world. We praise you and we glorify you this day. We thank you We thank you for family. We thank you for friends. We thank you for the time that we have been able to spend with family and friends this past week. We thank you, Lord, for our baptism and for our place in your church. And we pray for these children that we have baptized this day. We pray for Elwood. We pray for Miles. We pray for Esther. That the Lord, that you, O Lord, would continue to work in their lives and lead them on the path that leads to life. We thank you, Lord, for your power and for your presence that is with us in days of joy as well as in days of struggle and sorrow and grief. And we also recognize this day all the difficulties in the world around us. We pray for those who are sick in any way in mind, body, or spirit. We pray for those who are dealing with COVID, with the flu, with RSV, 
We pray for those who may be in hospice in the midst of a transition from this life to the next. We pray for their strength, their healing. We pray, Lord, for those who are grieving this day, and especially we lift up Beverly Tilly and her family after the death of her mom. We pray for Terry Edwards and her family after the death of her mother-in-law. May all those who grieve be filled with comfort and with peace. We pray and remember this day, O Lord, all those in the Virginia Beach community who are dealing with the latest shootings and violence that occurred at the Walmart. We pray that you would be with those families that lost someone close to them. We pray that you would be with that community to be a very present help for them. We pray for an end of violence. We pray for an end of war, that, that the time for peace would be here and now. We pray for the world around us, for all those who may be dealing with natural disasters. We pray that you would be a very present help for our world. Hear these prayers that we lift up to you this day, O oh Lord, and now in the silence of our hearts we lift up to you any personal concerns that we may have. Hear our prayers this day, O Lord, and we thank you that the worst thing is never the last thing. And fill us all and our world with hope, the hope that does not disappoint, that we may love our family, our friends, the strangers, and our enemies, and all those around us. We thank you for the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ who is our hope, our Savior, our love. We ask all of these things in his name as we pray now the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to invite our ushers to come forward now that we may return to God our tithes and our offerings this day. And I remind all of you that you can still give to our church by going to our website and clicking the Give Now button at the top of the page. We thank you for your generosity.
Let us pray. We thank you once again, O Lord, for this day and for all of our many gifts and blessings. We thank you for the gifts of faith, for hope, and for love. And especially we remember and give thanks for your hope that does not disappoint us. We thank you most of all for the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ, which reminds us that you have not forgotten us or forgotten our world. We thank you for all of our many gifts and blessings, a portion of which we now return back to you. Bless these gifts and use them and multiply them, that your hope may fill our lives and fill the world around us. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to walk as a child of the light. Let us sing together our final hymn, number 206. As you go out now into the world looking for hope right here and right now, we invite you to come on Friday at, to the Virginia Museum at 6 and 6.30 to hear the hope-filled music of our Reveille Ringers. And now the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you forevermore as we go in peace and as all God's people say.
Amen.